Wales in the six-yard area. Five behind. James gets there just first. Kendall! to Reds and Devils. Um, we're here with Rob Redmond and myself, Pat McCarry, and a delighted Red and Kev McGillicuddy. And I'm just going to do a quick show today, Kev. Not much to talk about. Uh, United, second place secured, and that's all you know that was really going on. And then I think Liverpool got Champions League as well, didn't they? Um, snuck in there at the end and, uh, you know, just, just kind of Mane kind of remembered he was a footballer on the last day of the season and just in time as well for you guys as well. But... Um, and I see everybody talking it up. Even Gary Neville was saying it was a, an incredible achievement and stuff. And uh, what a fucking crazy last day of the season, though, Kev. Like, you know, to kind of watch it, there was a lot of drama. It was like the, the golf as well that was on last night. Just people fucking bottling and people stepping up all over the place. It, it was great stuff, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, like Brendan Rogers, I think, you know, was the story of the day uh, with his Liverpool link as well. But Jesus, like... Of all the days for a goalkeeper to score an own goal, the last <laughs> day of the season is not the day uh, you want him to do it. But um, yeah, like I mean, it just goes to show Liverpool didn't couldn't win a game for two months and still finished only about four or five points behind United. Um, so I mean, like that'll tell you how weird a season it is. And like Liverpool started the season good, end of the season very good, and then the middle of the season was just absolute shite. So it was like, a, you know, Bob Dylan's 80th birthday, good for his youth, middle age, not so good. And then kind of maturing as he gets a bit older. So um, just a crazy day, like absolutely bonkers. The day was bonkers in terms of like you had the Chelsea stuff, you had the Tottenham Leicester, you had Liverpool kind of struggling to get a goal against Palace. And then obviously City absolutely destroying Everton. I mean, like there was drama absolutely everywhere, but... And it was great to have fans back in Anfield. I think that was the best thing. And even though they were frozen, Jesus, it was like the coldest May ever. Like you saw people like wrapped up in like five layers and scarves and hats and everything else. Um, so it was kind of a crazy end to the season. We're kind of fitting in some ways because it was just absolutely bonkers all the way from last August, September uh, to May. And, you know, you're just thinking, how did we even get this far to get a season played under such mad restrictions all over the world? I was just thinking, Rob, like about like Jesus Leicester, like it all went horribly wrong for them there, didn't it? Like, you know, they're up to second in the Champions League spots, you know, 240 odd days of the season as well. But like uh, just Gareth Bale just coming and <laughs> doing the main and, and a Schmeichel OG. And you could say you'd never predict it, but then with a Brendan Rodgers side, you can predict it almost, can't you? Yeah, that's probably, I feel harsh saying this because I think he's a, he's a really, really good coach, but that's three collapses now, isn't it? The Liverpool collapse in 2014. Last year, they went into the last game against United, missed out on Champions League again, and again yesterday, and that was the, probably, not the, well, obviously Liverpool was the most dramatic, but all he had to do was beat the worst Spurs team for, God knows how long, like 20, 15 years probably. Yeah. Um, then, like, do you have a guy who, like, I don't think Bale even likes football. I, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised he's going to retire soon. He said he has a big announcement coming after the Euros. And I, I think he was taking joy out of just crushing Leicester. And then you have Kane, who just wants to leave. And, like, this, you, you couldn't have picked a better team to play against on the last day. 
and they just blew it. They said on match the day that Leicester had were in the top four for ninety three percent of the last two seasons. They've only not been in the top four this season on in game week thirty seven and then thirty eight. And like yes, they obviously were a disaster, but people are forgetting as well. Like ten days ago, about that ten days ago, they were four 0 down to Steve Bruce's Newcastle. Like that's where they probably really lost it. Like mm. they just had to win that match and they, they just blew it. And it's a shame in a way not being a United fan and wanting Liverpool to miss out. But just more, it would have been interesting to see them when they were kind of a, a young enough squad, lots of kind of promising players. So it would have been good to see them in the Champions League. And I think overall, well, you can't really say overall on Merrick because they missed out on it, but they have been very good over the last season. So it was just a shame. And I don't know if the likes of Liverpool, will make, Liverpool won't mess up again next season. They won't have another season like this. Chelsea won't have Frank Lampard for half the season. Um, you know, it will probably be better or the other leagues buy a lot more or buy some players. Man City are obviously going to be better. So they probably missed the best chance they're going to get. And then, yeah, like the, um, you know, for Liverpool, they, you know, like, it was impressive enough. Like, as I was saying, like I, being a United fan probably as well, like and having that massive bias, like I hated the whole talk of what an incredible achievement. And it's like, it would have been a disaster if you hadn't qualified there. Like, just because, like your your other two centre defenders, Gomez and Matip, are both injury prone anyway. Like so, all you're missing really was Van Dijk, and then Henderson got injured halfway through the season. But seven points was the furthest you were away from the Champions League spots. So I was thinking, yeah. what's this big? You know, it wasn't a great escape or anything, but uh, to win eight games and draw two, I think of the last ten was they really kind of pulled it together when they needed it, didn't they? Yeah, they put together some yeah. form. Oh, sorry, Kev. I'll go no, on. go ahead. Like Rob, you go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I'll, I'll get my little dig in first thing, yeah. Kevin, right up a little bit more and then you can come in and shoot me down. I just think that the praise they've been getting is only relative to the position they're in a couple of weeks ago. Like, as I said, like, they should have been, like, at the start of the season, he should have went into the season with three centre-backs and Fabinho because you couldn't, really, you can't really take Fabinho out of midfield as this season proved. And the form in January was just pitiful. But he put a run together and um, I think he kind of got out of jail there. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't be buying into. I seen one today that Jurgen Klopp, Jurgen Klopp did the impossible. I don't. That's that's nonsense. Like, so I wouldn't be giving too much praise. I think it was the absolute bare minimum to get into the top four. Impossibly deep up Jurgen Klopp's ass with that type of thing. <laughs> it's uh, as I said. Like, I, I kind of hate the the. I don't know. Well, I hate Liverpool, I suppose. That's the whole thing, isn't it? Like, I just got a hate of getting praise for anything. Like, so... We're, um, we're finally getting to the truth after a season of the podcast. I was, I was just enjoying... I was, I was magnanimous when you guys were losing and now that you guys are back winning again. I'm just... The true feelings are coming out. <laughs> yeah, you, you're, you're in a chirpy form there for February and March and it's all, it's all gone horribly wrong since then. But, yeah, um, I think Klopp did a good job, but I think, like, he... Like some of the players, like Thiago, actually playing ninety minutes week in week out. Like Klopp was taking him off after an hour or seventy minutes, and then like the Newcastle game was the most obvious one where when Thiago went off, the whole bloody thing fell apart. So I think Thiago, Mo Salah, I think Fabinho, and I mean you could hardly imagine of that ten game run that Nat Phillips and Reese Williams would play such a key part in it. I mean a clean sheet again yesterday, and you're thinking like these two guys you know, have played a key role in it. I mean, you couldn't imagine that. So that's probably down to good management. But I think, like, Rob is right, you know, top four had to be a bare minimum. Like, you can't win a game for two months at home, win a game full stop at two months, but you can still get Champions League. And they were lucky Leicester imploded 
Chelsea kind of like Chelsea look like a team that are totally have run out of steam. And like I think Man City could really rack up a big score in the Champions League final. I thought maybe a month ago Chelsea would give them a really good game of it if they got to the final, but they just look totally like a team on empty or are playing for the summer holidays now. So and then look, I mean David Moyes, West Ham weren't really serious contenders. So, you know, it was just a matter of like and I think Liverpool's running. Realistically, the United game for me was the biggest game you know, that they had to win. And if they could get a result at Old Trafford, and I mean, to win, obviously, was fantastic. But I mean, you should be beating Burnley, you should be beating West Brom, you got to beat Palace at home. So I don't think their running was amazingly difficult. But I mean, when you come off the back of like losing so many games at home and you're thinking like, Jesus, how much lower can we get in terms of this? And Jota getting injured in towards the latter end, Henderson out for so long, you're down to your fourth and fifth choice in halves. You're depending on James Miller and Wijnaldum to kind of piece the midfield together. And Mane so off form, Firmino so off form. So I think Thiago, I think Salah, probably the two lads at the back. And I think, look, Alisson's header, you're never going to see a goalkeeper, I think, score a 95th minute header in the Premier League ever again. So look, the stars aligned and they got the rub of the green that they had been denied, I think, for, you know, key periods uh, during the season. So, but it has to be, Champions League has to be bare minimum. You know, there, there's no two ways about it. And I think Klopp would be under massive pressure if he went into next season in the Europa League. And unless they had a brilliant start to the season, I think the Americans, you know, they would be getting a little bit nervous in terms of, of the impact that Europa League and, and maybe the team sliding on the table would have had. Um, Rob, what, what do you think of, like, uh, it was an interesting scene in the uh, the Chelsea-Villa game where they were getting the message on to the players that Leicester were losing, like, and... But it was like they were supposed to be chasing the win themselves, like, and it was almost like telling the lads not to bother in, the, in injury time. And like, they've kind of, you know, like they've got into the Champions League final. I suppose it, it all depends on how they get on against City, doesn't it, in, in this final? Because um, Tuchel, like, you know, some people absolutely love him, and other people are not convinced at all. Like, you know, he, he doesn't have that kind of winning record. Like, so it'd be interesting to see how it goes. But he was madly invested in that game, wasn't he? Yeah, it's, it's, I, I feel awkward with, with Tuchel because I was, I was one of the people praising him but really what I was doing was kind of sticking it to Lampard because I'm like Lampard never should have been Chelsea manager and it bothered me how much kind of support he was getting from certain elements in the British Bocci press like like I just couldn't see the praise from so I went all in on Tuchel then I was thinking oh, Jesus what if Chelsea miss out on the top four and then you have all the Lampard supporters coming out and saying well Lampard got top four, but the Kev is right that I think they just they look burnt out. And I, I was another one I was like um Werner. I was like, he was really good in Germany and good in the Champions League, he'll come good. But now I feel he has a bit of a kind of Fernando Torres 2011, 2010 vibes off him. Um I'm not too sure if that's gonna work. I think City should beat them. And I was strange that they were just kind of like like Sports did them this absolutely massive favour and yeah, on their own merits, the, on the performance yesterday, they should have missed out. And it's not as if Villa were flying. Like, Grealish is only back from back from injury. Like, Yeah, yeah. And, like, in terms of, like, the... So, just kind of briefly enough on the, on the United game then as well, like, uh, just kind of got to kind of give everyone everyone kind of a run out. Ilanga got himself a game and uh, Brandon Williams. Yeah, you know, like, for someone like, you know, us to have seen Aaron Wambasaka being flogged to death as well, like... Uh, you know, it's interesting, but it, it's it's going to be has have these lads now, which I've given out all year about them not playing or playing too much, and now I'm thinking, is there going to be any kind of uh, cohesiveness about this squad? Like, do, 
they've hardly played the strongest 11 in you know in a few weeks now at this stage and it's a weird way a little bit like City and, and Chelsea as well heading into this final like they're they're all resting lads up like and are they going to be able to kind of hit the ground running in the final they just look burnt out like the match against Fulham last week was was brutal they weren't, they weren't good against Liverpool Liverpool ran all over them um, and like it was nice to see like Alanga and it was nice to see Mata play and not so much Mata but like a lot of fringe players that you, I think United would have benefited from if Solskjaer used the squad a little bit more and get these guys more playing time during the season. Like Bruno didn't need to play every minute of every game. Maguire didn't need to play every minute of every game. But it just seemed like Solskjaer kept reaching for these the same guys over and over again. And um, I thought that was going to be just a nil all yesterday, so I didn't even bother watching it. I was flicking between Leicester and Spurs and Liverpool, but I caught the goals and. Yeah, like it was. I think that could be Matt's last game. I think it could be Matt's yeah. last game. I think Southampton have been chasing Brandon Williams for a while, so I wouldn't be surprised if he's gone too. So it could be just too little, too late. But um, I was following on Twitter, and apparently um, Van der Beek did well. So that that was one positive out of it. Yeah, he he got his um, he got his penalty. It was under, it was actually a woeful call that it wasn't given that penalty, like because it was it was clear like in the replays of it anyway. But uh, it just kind of Mike Dean at it again, like but. Yeah, like very kind of weird season how it went. Like, and as I was saying, I was hoping to, uh, I was looking into the kind of Liverpool thing a bit more and seeing like, oh, well, they still had a low points total, but I think it was even lower last season for the third and fourth place sides. Like, um, it kind of almost like a spectacularly low amount. Like, it's very weird. I was looking at United. I was saying to you that yesterday, Rob, that United had conceded the same amount of goals as Brighton for the season, which is insane. But then they actually had only four teams had a better defensive record than them. Like, so it's just, it's been a crazy season. Every side has been trashed at least once, haven't they? Like, and um, yeah. it's just been wild results showing up everywhere. And City, you kind of get the idea that if they wanted to, Kev, they could have won it probably by another 10 points or 10 or 12 points. Yeah, like, I mean, we talk about teams taking their foot off the pedal, but like, you know, City don't look burned out uh, mm. by any stretch of the imagination. And I mean, they've played... You know, full season in the Premier League. They went all the way to the Carabao Cup final. Um, they played, however, X many games in the Champions League. But they just look so fresh. Jeez, like they absolutely destroyed Everton um, yesterday. Yeah. And, you know, like they look so full of energy. <laughs> like, I don't know how Pep does it in terms of keeping them fresh and keeping them happy. Because you never really hear about players wanting out or they're not happy with the system or whatever like that. But just City are on a different level. And... You just think, I mean, who are they going to sign to replace Aguero? Um, if it's going to be Haaland or Mbappe, maybe, I don't know. But, like, the contrast between them and the other sides, and you think, like, I mean, Liverpool obviously ran away with the title eventually last season. Obviously, they were pulled back to the pack a little bit after they claimed it. But, you know, the gap between City, United, and then Liverpool, you're thinking, like, that's a huge gap for any team to bridge because City are going to get close to 90 points again next season, you would imagine. Um, and when they have crowds back, I know they joke about the empty ad or whatever, but it'll still be a factor to it. And they actually adapted. I think Pep doesn't get a lot of credit as a manager. You know, he buys a lot of success, but he adapted the quickest in terms of the COVID stuff and in terms of working without crowds and obviously not playing with a striker now. So, mm. I mean, he's a good coach. I mean, he, he adapted the team and really could you have imagined that Raheem Sterling wouldn't be an automatic starter in a Premier League winning uh, 11 and a team that has made it to the Champions League final like I mean that that would be a bizarre statement to make 
back in August or September. But I mean, that's where they are now. You know, he's not a guaranteed player in that 11. Like Phil Foden, I know people laughed when they, like Pep said he was the best technically gifted player he had worked with, but he's just a phenomenon. And I think if he makes an impact at the Euros this summer, you know, he'd be a huge star for City and for England over the next couple of years. He just has it all. And, you know, Pep really has unearthed something very, very special there. Um, I wanted to kind of maybe just because we were on about City and, and kind of dusting Everton far too easily I was just thinking Kev like did you take any satisfaction in that like Everton started the season like a train um, Jordan Pickford basically destroyed Liverpool's season in one fell swoop as well like um, they were looking great but they've, there's another side that have completely like had the tyres shot out of them at this stage haven't they? Yeah, but like uh, Everton is like being in a toxic relationship with somebody. Like initially, <laughs> initially, you know, Carlo and and Everton were getting on well, and you know things started were good on the surface, and then like it just the doubt starts creeping in, and then they starts like you know going through your text messages and like they're following you to and from work and stuff like that. So, like I think it's his heaviest defeat ever as a manager. And like, you know, Everton were being crowned champions in in, in October and they finished a like 10th, which is terrible for a, a squad that has some decent players in it. And I think, you know, every time I see Everton, I think Seamus Coleman, what were you thinking when you didn't get out of there at the time? You know, they have good players, but it's just, they're just in a backwater. They're never going to make any impression in terms of a cup run or the Premier League or anything like that, because... Just I don't know what it is in terms of the mentality or the club or whatever, but yeah, it's it's delightful to see them uh, crushed by the Man City machine. But um, they're just a club that likes to to talk a big game, but ultimately their players are the management. And Carlo Ancelotti is a great manager. They just never deliver um, on the on that promise, no matter how good the players around them. There's just that mental weakness that kind of reminds me of Chelsea in the mid '90s that you know, flatter to deceive an awful lot of the time, but ultimately there's a weakness and a, a yellowness in the in, in their uh, in their squad that just lets them down time and time again. I was just thinking Rob for like um United being like, you know, every transfer window they're always getting linked with James Rodriguez and that is uh, kind of bullet safely dodged at this stage, isn't it? Oh stuff. Yeah. Um like yeah, like a World Cup type YouTube type player, like he he's Get good to look at, and he's talented. But like, yeah, he started off well as well. But like, it was never gonna kind of last. And everything kind of have a good few players like that. Looks like a squad kind of built on, um, built by agents essentially by lads who were at other bigger clubs like Barca or wherever and around Madrid and just available for transfer. And everything have had a lot of money and ambitions. So I'm talking at the main, but yeah, they were absolutely destroyed. And, and Man City was actually interesting because I, I find it hard always to praise Man City because I just. It's not really. It's not really Man City, is it? Like they're Abu Dhabi taken over by them. The Man City I knew growing up isn't really there, but Pep and Pep as well. Obviously, is the most money to spend, but they have been class and they've really adapted. There was a good piece today um, about how like how Leeds outrun every other team in the Premier League, but Man City actually have the fewest sprints of any team. Yeah. So Pep has completely changed how he plays because he used to obviously have the team pressing and running really hard but he obviously realised it wasn't possible and anyone who plays fancy football as well will know that like Man City is a nightmare to predict who's going to play but that shows that Pep as well like he, he rotates the squad better than any other manager probably in the Premier League like everyone gets minutes even guys like Sinchenko who I think if Sinchenko was 
you know, his backup left back, he's probably get like probably five games under Solskjaer, ten games. But under Pep, like he's probably getting twenty five games. So you're seeing the best of him when he does play. And other guys like Cancelo might be great for a month or two, and then he takes him out. Gundogan was great for a month or two, and then the point comes back and his role changes. So obviously, yeah, they've had all the money and they have the the they pay the most probably wages, but they they well deserve. And as Nicky said, they should have probably won by more, and I think they'll win it again. No bother to the next season. That's it. I actually was listening to um off the ball yesterday when I was kind of dri- driving, and Brian Kerr was doing his team of the season and. He actually, like, yeah, left out a few City players. And it was only because, he, as he said, he said his criteria was they had to have played more than 25 games or started more than 25 games. And I think he was saying something crazy about Foden. Foden's only started 12 or 13 games in the Premier League this season. Like, he's just been used yeah. a lot in Europe. Like, and that's, like, John Stones, who everybody would probably have in their team, or maybe beside Diaz, that Stones has started less than 25. De Bruyne has only started 22. Um, so it's just, just crazy stuff. Like, but... Um, I was thinking, yeah, what we might do is uh, we might do a transfer wish list now. We do three, um, just if you're allowed to have just three players each. So maybe I might go to you, Kev, and then we'll probably hand out our end of season awards then um, at the at the end of the show. So, Kev, yeah, you just, um, you know, we've spoken a little bit about it in the past few weeks, but yeah, if you were just given three players you could bring in for Liverpool next season, who would they be? Uh, well, I think one of them is going to come. I think uh, Kanate or Kanat from uh, Leipzig is going to be. Uh, He's going to get over the line, I think. Um, in terms of a midfield one, midfield one, um, I think Tielemans is a guy that I really like. I'd love to see him in the midfield. I think he's a class act. And obviously up front, Mbappe would be amazing. If they got rid of, of Mane and Firmino and had enough money for Mbappe, that'd be brilliant. But that isn't going to happen, unfortunately. So some somebody like Antonio or I think Rafinha from Leeds I take Rafinha from Leeds. I think um, at the moment they'd be they'd be three. I think a defender, a midfielder, and an attacking player just to, to complement it would be three realistic-ish signings. I think uh, rather than uh, the PSG man uh, being seen in red, I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. He he's, he constantly is linked, though, isn't he? Like he must be. Is he a Liverpool fan? Like you know, because there is there has been talk about for the last couple of years. Yeah, I think he, like he probably like a couple of years ago gave an interview about like you know he loves to play in England and I think there was something about the atmosphere at Anfield and stuff like that that he had mentioned. But he probably said it about loads of different clubs. I think and I know he's mentioned something about um, Istanbul before in terms of being a football memory for him when he was quite young. So yeah, like I think there's a constant link there with Mbappe, but. It's never going to happen. I mean, like the the money, the the Yanks are never going to stump up uh, mm. the cash for him. Even though I think he would be electric in the Premier League with his with his pace, um, playing off the shoulder. But uh, it's just not going to happen. I think. And you know, in those big games at PSG, sometimes when you see him in Champions League, and PSG didn't win the French League this season, and you're thinking like, with the money and the players they have, it's an embarrassment that you can't win a league like that. So. You know, there is something a bit wrong, and maybe, but I think he's going to end up in Real Madrid. Um, looks like his most likely destination, I think, uh, this summer. Um, it looks like the, if Zidane goes, they're going to get a new manager in, and they're probably going to get maybe one or two Galacticos as well. But he's, a, he's just a phenomenal talent in terms of his pace. But, you know, that mightn't last forever. And if he gets one or two bad injuries, uh, it'll be an interesting one to see. Because the French league is pretty soft, there's not much competition there. So, It'll be interesting to see when he makes a step up. 
I thought actually speaking when you were talking about them, I thought Rob that uh, your golden boy Potch was gonna just walk <laughs> to a, a, a league one <laughs> title there for himself and just absolutely pad the CV out when he's in France, but it didn't work out for him, did it? No. Um, yeah, and the, like the last PhD manager who failed to win the, uh, the French League was Unai Emery. So that doesn't kind of bode well for him either. But no, I still think he's a great manager. Um, I don't know how much he can redo really there. I don't know how much of a fit Potch is for PSG. But it was probably a good kind of holding job. He gets to um, work with elite players like Neymar and Mbappe. And yeah, they probably not didn't win the league this season, but they'll probably win the next season. And they might go deeper in Europe. And sure, if they sack him anyway, he'll get a job back in the Premier League. And I'd still like the long term see him at United. Yeah, yeah. Um, so when it comes to your wish list then, uh, if you were three to go for, um, you, you mentioned, if, if there's anyone I've got as well, I'll probably just say, I'll put my hand up and say I've picked them as well. But yeah. uh, who, who are your three then, if you had a choice? This is going to actually, this is breaking my heart to say this, but um, for, well, the first one isn't because it's obviously Harry Kane. Um, I want to stick the realistic ones because obviously you'd want Messi and I'd take Mbappe as well if he was gone. But Kane is just top class. I think it makes sense for him to go to United. Like, even though, like, he could go to City, he could obviously afford him. But I just think, does he really want Pep in his ear and rotating him and playing him out of position? Like, just keep it simple. I think United would be a better fit for him. It would be like a bit like when they signed Van Persie. He'd be that kind of elite player to hopefully, from United's perspective, push them closer or, or regain the league title. Like, he's just absolutely brilliant. Like, 23 goals, 14 assists this year in a terrible team, in a Jose Mourinho team as well. Like he is just absolutely top class, and it it seems realistic, not realistic, but yeah, like it, it's only two or three clubs that can sign him. He wants to stay in England, and so it's going to come down to probably United or City. And yeah, I'd go Kane, that would be first. And um, these other two are breaking my heart, but they're probably what United need. First one was Declan Rice, like I, I just it's great as you, as an Ireland fan, like obviously I watched them play for Ireland, then you see him leave, but he is very, very good. He's a very good. Um, um, a failure, I think he'd be ideal. He's what United need. He's mobile. He's good on the ball. He can play in a couple of different positions. He's a, definitely an upgrade on Fred. Like, I don't know if he's going to ever be on, like, Kante level, but Rice would be the one I'd be going for to play he's, alongside. Maybe he's Van der Beek. He's not very good with I the think, ball, though, is he? I think he's good at keeping it kind of simple and passing through the lines. Like, I, like he's not going to go on the ball like De Bruyne, but I don't think he loses the ball much. I think um, West Ham are definitely Isn't that the Roy Keane thing, though? Like, when you get to United, you actually need to be positive and, like, you need to actually move forward with the ball. You know, you can't just yeah, be, course. like, the crab. You don't want to be a Joe Allen. It only be Joe Allen Mark too. like... Of course. But I, I, do think, I do think he has it in him to be better like that. Like, he is playing for Moyes as West Ham. Like, it's pretty functional type team. Before that, he was playing centre-half. Like, I, I just think he can be... Not like world class, but I definitely think he'd be good enough for United. And I think he'll be, I think he's probably the ideal player to play in that position because they need an upgrade on Fred. I am badly, badly need an upgrade on Fred. And the other one is Grealish, who I just think is great to watch. If like they've been playing Pogba on the left, like that's not going to work. And you can't keep sticking him out on the left, it just doesn't suit him at all. There's a lot of talk of Sancho, but I just, I've never, I've only really seen him play for England and a few times with Dortmund. I just think Grealish is just a little bit above him and I think that 
yeah, he's been class for years, and he's a very unique player. Like he's so creative, so I would really, I'd love to see Greenwich. He should be playing for Ireland, both of them. We could have had both of them, but I would like to both them at United. Um, yeah, if the Keenan O'Neill and McCarthy and all are just kind of just doff the cap a little bit to them, <laughs> a little bit. But uh, yeah. yeah, like for me, I, I was going to say, um, yeah, you're almost talking me into Kane. Like, yeah, like that. I think it's just that you don't want to say Kane. It's probably the same as you don't want to say Mbappe because there's that fear that you won't get him. But like, if if he was a number one priority, Jesus, yeah, you'd do anything. As I said, it means you can kind of. It means almost you can use. Uh, Greenwood then on the kind of right hand side you don't need yeah. Sancho in a way like and and then you can still rotate Greenwood in and Greenwood can kind of still learn, learn the ropes as a striker um, I'd probably go um, you, I'll go Grealish as well as my second one where you the minute you said Fred to me like anyone over Fred would probably do the job I was yeah. just, you mentioned Fred and I was just thinking geez you might get Aaron Ramsey on the cheap from Juventus during the summer like uh, yeah it's set up for that isn't it yeah, like any any upgrading really, like uh, just take Mike Phelan back and just get him <laughs> out playing again. Um, and then yeah, my one I was thinking a right back as well. Like you just you oh, need yeah. some competition in for Wan Bissaka, don't you? Yeah. Um, so I was thinking of that. I still think United actually might they might go for Trippier again. Um, so I, my list is getting longer here now, but I, um, but I'll go for my man Oblak in goal. Uh, will he leave the the league winning uh, Atletico Madrid now at this stage, or could we somehow work out a deal where like we don't have to kind of pay any money, we can just give him the Haya back or something and let him take Henderson while they're at it? Yeah. Um, so that's it. My, my transfer wish list involves uh, 20, 20 different players and uh, swap <laughs> deals and loan deals and uh, Fred getting kicked out the door as well. Like, but and um, you're gonna you're both gonna stick with the same centrals. Oh, That's the other yeah. actually. Oh, I'd, like to, I'd like to add another one. Like, <laughs> I seen Gary Neville tweet there a few minutes ago that he wants Varane and Kane and Sancho. And um, Varane's not going to like Varane has become the new Ramos. He's using United as leverage in his contract yeah. negotiations. He's not going to sign for United, but a centre half would be great. Um, I think Lindelof has been kind of good in games. I think he'd be better with someone with a bit of pace beside him. But then he probably say the same about Maguire. So. That is in need of an upgrade, but probably not as much as sent. Maybe not as much as sent midfield, and obviously a new right back would be good. I think move it's, it's weird. I was I had this, but if I was going to get somebody from Dortmund, the Jude Bellingham guy, yeah, um, would would be there's like there's a huge potential. I think Sancho's a bit overrated, but Bellingham, you know, there's definitely something there, and he will be well minded. In Germany, but I mean, if you could get him back for twenty or thirty million, that would be a, a a wise investment, I think, for any Premier League team. And you know, I don't know what his history is in England or whatever, but um, like looking at some of his stats, you know, and and the talk in German football and listening to some of the German football correspondents, you know, there's a huge potential there for him to to be a real star, I think, in the next three or four seasons. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. As I said, like a few weeks ago, I thought United just needed three, maybe, and then after the last few games, it's just like six, six will yeah. do it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it'd be, be interesting to see how it works. But yeah, we'll move on now to to our awards category, and I'll probably throw out the category and I'll just throw it to both of you guys, and you can kind of name your one for it. So, um, a couple of these are ones that we've had over the season, and uh, they're kind of, and a few ones are new ones that we've kind of added just for the for the old to to kind of to bulk out our awards category as well. Like, so the first one is 
um, the Alexis Sanchez Award. And this is for the biggest disappointment of the season. Kev, I was going to throw it to you first. Um, Jesus, losing, at ho- losing the home records that they worked so hard for, like that night was just dreadful stuff. You know, you're thinking like, Origi had the chance to put the one up hit the cross Mary, like, oh, fuck's sake. It was just going to be one of those nights. And I think Nabi Kaita, like, unable to play, like, mm-hmm. more than two games in a row. Like, I hope they cut their losses with him this summer and just get rid um, because he's just been a disaster from start to finish. Brilliant when he's fit and a, like a great player to break the line, but just totally inconsistent. And the injuries just, you know, himself and Joel Matip, like, you know, both made of glass. I mean, like, Jesus talking about fragile. So um, that'd be my two, like, just terrible. The burn, the, the losing that, that night when they lost the home record, and you're thinking, like, God, Christ. This is it. And just like Nabi Kaiser, when you needed somebody in midfield to step up when Thiago was out injured and he was just constantly injured, just just so dispiriting. It was actually more disappointing than some of the injuries, like the guys that just couldn't stay fit then and guys that are on big money that we paid big money for and just couldn't be stood, just nowhere to stand up and actually be counted when things got rough. Yeah, yeah. What about for you, Rob? One word, four letters, Fred, that's it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> nothing else to add nothing else it was the PSG match where well it's probably Solskjaer's fault for not taking him off but yes. when he was booked and he just kept yeah just kept going and going and he was lucky to last as long as he did so yeah poor Fred yeah um, next one Kev is the Phil Jones award for how is that guy still at this club yeah Divock Origi I don't know how he's done it uh, <laughs> but like Jesus Christ, like, you know, it's two seasons now since he got all those late winners and the goals are, you know, longer. And you're thinking, like, this guy is still around. Like, he does absolutely nothing when he comes on. Like, he doesn't even, he doesn't even run around anymore. Um, you know, he, make, he makes absolutely no effort. And, I mean, when you have him on the pitch, you're down to 10 men effectively because he's so ineffective and useless. And, like, totally Klopp's fault for not investing. And, like, when Jota was out... Uh, injured and you're thinking like Shakiri or Origi are two attacking options in the bench you're like Jesus this is dreadful stuff I'd rather have Stan Collymore back you know <laughs> now than Divock Origi to be honest that's how bad things were because like there's just no chance he's going to get a goal like somebody said last week when Alisson came up for the header you're thinking like you know imagine if Divock Origi was there and it was like there was no, he would have been at the back post or like he would have been looking the opposite direction. He's just, he had that four weeks of form and that was it. And Liverpool were very lucky that he scored the goals in that four weeks of form because he's just been terrible since. Yeah, yeah. This is his, he's been at the club. I think only Jordan Henderson's been at Liverpool longer than Diva Farigi, which is insane. Um, you know, it's, uh, he's like a barnacle they can't get rid of. Like, but, uh, what about, what about you for that one, Rob? Um, for me, it has to be Matic. Yeah. Like, Jesus yeah. Christ, how is he still there? McMatic was brilliant for Chelsea. And he was good for United when he started. But he, I remember his first match United played, I think it was West Ham, and he won 4-0. It was Lukaku's debut too. And they were like they were really good. Mourinho had spent loads of money at that season. And he looked like they were going to push City close. And he just, he has declined from that day onwards. Like, um, yeah, like I don't know how he's still there. But I put good money on him signing for Roma to link up with Jose again this season. So we won't be there for much longer, I wouldn't say. 
Yeah, yeah, that'd be an, yeah, be an interesting one. He would always have the Crystal Palace goal that he that he got. Um, I'll, I'll keep with you then for for this one, uh, Rob. The this is one that we've had during the season as well, the Harvey Elliott Hype Train Award. This is just for changing it up slightly. This is a uh, the breakthrough player of the year. Oh, like normally, well, I suppose the guy Langa scored. You know, we've had a blood of the few young players, but it's probably Greenwood because of, I, I I suppose he broke through last season, but he did keep it going and particularly towards the end of the season, you saw that like he's not just a flash in the pan because you see that with a lot of young players, they break through, they um, might go to their head a little bit. He had he signed a new contract, but he, I think he seven goals, he finished the season total, but a lot of those came in the last month or two and I, I just think he can be the real deal. Like you rarely see a footballer as good with their both feet essentially and he's just a, such a brilliant finisher and he's already a better finisher than Rashford will ever be or Martial, so yeah, I'd have to give it to Greenwood. Breaking through the security nets to bring back women to his ho- uh, Iceland hotel room. That's what he was no comment. Can <laughs> <laughs> uh, what about you? Harvey Elliott Award. Yeah, to be honest, Harvey Elliott needs to get the Harvey Elliott High Train Award. I think Liverpool have had like I can't think of any players under the age of like twenty one really that even kind of came in at any stage. Bar like Reese, you know, Reese or Nass obviously are the only, I think, breakthrough players that kind of got a consistent run in the team, you know, like Ben Woodburn or someone like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're, you're going back a long way in terms of those. I mean, Liverpool are in the FAA Youth Cup final, and maybe one or two of the players there will break through. But overall, like, I'd love to say Cuevin Keller would have made a breakthrough this year, and he did okay in certain games. But I think Reese, I think, probably has to get it. You know, not a, an amazing technical player, but you know, has a huge amount to learn. Not probably not a Liverpool player long term, but has done quite well. And I think for a guy that was playing lower league football twelve months ago to be playing, you know, for a team that has qualified for the Champions League now and help them get there, I think probably gets gets that award. He probably get the Young Player of the Year award, I think, for Liverpool this year. Um, yeah, yeah, like yeah, that's he probably will because like, of the, the games he played. There was actually just as you mentioned, Ben Woodburn. I just Wikipedia him there and. Um, Jesus, yeah, just loaned out Blackpool. I think was the latest when he was at there. Like, he scored an international goal for Wales when he was seventeen, and um, yeah, Jesus, that guy has just disappeared. Like, um, he's going to be kind of challenging Divock for a while there. Who was the? Who can you remember that story from the season that Chelsea had a lad and they finally got rid of him when he was at the club for like along the lines of like nine or ten years? He was just one of these lads that just kept loaning out to Antwerp and and the likes every season, like you know, but uh. Yeah, hopefully that doesn't happen to Woodburn. Hopefully, like he, he ends up a bit like uh, you know, Rian Brewster or something, gets himself a loan out like for himself. But um, there's got to be some kind of side that will take him. But yeah, speaking, this is a bit of an older school one, but uh, the Graeme Souness Galatasaray Flag Plant Award for ballsiest <laughs> managerial decision. Uh, Rob, what about that one? Well, I've, I've two, um, well, I've one kind of, but like first one was Solskjaer, sorry, dropping the yeah. Because he went back to Spain to see his child, I, like, he, like that's a bit. But I know we had to quarantine or whatever. But Ruthless. yeah, he didn't bring him back in for a while. Um, the other one, this is a bit probably torn on his head, but Germany United lost six one to Spurs, mm. and after it, Solskjaer, like he looked like like he'd seen a ghost, and he's pale and his eyes are baggy, and, and we just didn't criticize any of the players, Man United players. And I thought that looking back, that was a great decision because he was like it was humiliating to stand there, and the easiest thing in the world would have been. To just slate these guys who've made them look like Phil, like because they, they were undercooked for the match, you know. 
just lost to Jose at, at Old Trafford. And like if that had been Mourinho, you would have ran through the players. So mm-hmm. I think that got him a lot. Like that was impressive managing. Like people can doubt Solskjaer, and we still doubt him. But I mean, we always slag him because he's copying off Fergie or whatever. But that was a good thing to copy from Fergie. So I thought that was ballsy, just to actually be humble about losing like that, because ultimately the the, the players bought into what he was trying to do. Then he kept them on side. I thought that was very good managing. Um, one for you, Kevin. One that I might suggest if you want before you answer is. Uh playing 19 different centre-back combinations uh, during the season. Um, didn't yeah. exactly work out, but a ballsy call nonetheless. Yeah, it was like, you know, if you turn up at Anfield someday with a pair of boots, you know, get you get your chance kind of style. Like So, yeah, I think like, you know, the defence, like, you know, Klopp's total stubbornness not to accept that, like, you know, going into the season with three centre-halves and two of them injury-prone was an absolutely colossal mistake. But then, obviously, sticking with Phillips and Reese, I think, towards the end of the season and playing, you know, the ballsiest decision was actually playing centre halves in the centre half position. <laughs> you know, who who would have th- who would have thunk who would have thunk it? Um, That's so it's very the big books, Yeah, that it, it only it only took him thirty games to realise that uh, you know that would be the best decision. But also, I think the fact that he signed a left back and didn't bother playing him ever uh, during the season was you know uh, whoever that agent was like and his sign on fee or like you know certain appearance fees. They obviously just said like we're giving this guy absolutely nothing. So that Costas guy, I'd say, will be dumped. And obviously Ben Davies, I mean, it takes a certain amount of balls to sign a player and then, you know, have him in the witness protection uh, program for an entire season. You know, that that does take quite some balls. And then to put him up for sale this summer as well, you know. Um, to be able to look somebody in the eye and, and be able to say, you know, he's a good option, he's a great player, and then just totally disregard him. Uh, is is pretty cold, I think, from Klopp uh, yeah. during the season, but it's the right decision. Ben Davies obviously just isn't up to it. I say, sorry, Pat, I take Ben Davies thought he'd even get to sit on the bench once. Like, I don't think he's even been in the squad, has he? Uh, no. Yeah, actually, because I still don't even know what he looks like, really. Like, that's, <laughs> like I haven't seen him. Yeah, like, <laughs> see him. Who, was, who was the guy at the last season where Liverpool won the league and he couldn't even get off the bench for a game. Um, wasn't it Lalana? Like, but like Klopp is cold that way. But not even to sit him on the bench one day or something is is pretty tough. Like, just keep using like COVID as an excuse. Like, oh, sorry, can't get you on the team bus this week. We'll bring you back next week. Like, um, <laughs> tough for him. Like, but um, I was gonna go now for the Robbie Fowler snorting the touchline awards for the most bizarre moments of the season. Uh, Rob, for you. Oh, again, kind of till the main night match in Liverpool being abandoned obviously was pretty strange. But I think probably that Sunday last October when United lost six one to um, Spurs and and Patrice Evra who disappeared off Sky. Oh yeah, he was nearly crying on television, and I was like, "This is brilliant TV!" Like obviously it's awful that like, United you know, lost like that, but this is great television. Then Villa beat Liverpool seven 0 so that was a pretty um, that was a strange day, really bizarre. Um, Great entertainment looking back on it. But I think probably that moment when um, Everett was saying, like, asking Sky Sports to sack him, he doesn't care. Like, he just, he has to speak from the heart. And he was, yeah, it was great value. And I hope he comes back next season. Like Ben Davies, you haven't seen him in a while. Yeah, was he talking about, uh, Everett talking about someone dating the, the, the daughter of... Yeah, Zaha. And Sky had to apologise, yeah. <laughs> Awkward. Loose. Loose as fuck. Um, 
Yeah, as well, so would, would that rank up? Would that be near yours? It is crazy just thinking of so many things that had happened this season that, like, uh, yeah, like I'd almost forgotten about that afternoon when United got P6 1 and, and Liverpool topped it. Would that be? Oh, yeah. Because I, I was at home that day and, like, people text me, it's like, oh, United, they're finished and Solskjaer, you know, he's done or whatever. And it was like, <laughs> group will be filling or whatever. I was like, hang on now, lads. We haven't even been Philly yet. And the next thing is, you know, like, I, I remember watching the thing, like, have they re-signed Dejan Lovren? And is he playing? Is he in goals? Like, what the fuck is going on here? Like, Villa of all teams. And then, like, for 7-2 at the end. And you're just thinking, like, how did this happen? Like, this can't be real. I must have got COVID and I'm hallucinating or something. <laughs> <laughs> like, but, yeah, that, that, that weekend, I think, was just absolutely bonkers. But, I mean, to lose 7-2 to Villa was just absolutely insane. It was it was worse, I think, than the Rodgers hammering by Stoke on the final day of the season that time, because you know they were Premier League champions, and like Van Dijk was playing. You know, I mean, they had lots of top class players, but to lose seven two to Villa was just unforgivable. Like yeah, a COVID fever dream for uh, that, that that whole day. Like um, before, actually, I'm going to just change the order of what I originally had. I'm going to go with the. Uh, Luis Garcia Ghost Goal Award for the most contentious decision of the season. There could be a few to choose from here, Rob. What about what about you? Oh god, that's a tough one. Like it's like obviously there's been loads of contentious VAR decisions, but as I said, I'm just exhausted by VAR and I find it hard to kind of to um to kind of even get me too worked up over it. Maybe a little they got clock, like not contentious, but I just don't understand why he was why he wasn't playing for being on midfield and just went with those defenders and kind of gave them like Phillips and Williams, even though they weren't great, just gave them that like chance to actually start or to actually build something at the back there. So I think Liverpool improved and Fabinho went back in. And Jerome's probably just signing Ben Davies. Like, I don't know why, what the top process was behind that. Like, I'm sure there's a million bad decisions, but they tend to wash over me now at this stage. Like, I don't even know. Was, should, should the decision been given? Should it not? I don't actually know. So, yeah, VAR's kind of washed over me at this stage, definitely. Yeah, you could. Yeah, that's actually an interesting way. Yeah, because I said there's so many armpits and big toes and stuff that you could go on and you just do your head in and speak for 20 minutes about it again. Like, if you were a contentious decision, Kev, what, what would it be? Uh, I suppose Jordan Pickford on Van Dyke was just a bizarre decision, like a bit like Rob there. I mean, yeah, I actually, sorry, Kev, I backed that point up. That's what I meant to say. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, yeah I think, you know, obviously with loads of our ones or whatever, but I think Pickford on Van Dyke. Like, regardless of who the two players were, I mean, for a, a professional to do that to another professional, you know, to totally go out and, I mean, to try and injure him, obviously, yeah. and seriously injure him. It was just such a straight... Like, I know you see bad tackles, but something so nakedly aggressive to somebody like that when there was no need and then not even get punished for it was, was just bizarre. I think Klopp playing Jota against Michelin as well was just like... And then for him to get injured, you're thinking, oh, for fuck's sake... You know, like there was no need for that. And obviously the January transfer window mess, you know, Kabak and Davies and waiting to the last minute and it was like, you know, bargain basement stuff and like what's left in the bottom of the bin. So they eventually got there. But um, like, you know, I think the, the Pickford Van Dyke thing was just one of those Jesus Christ moments for the season. Yeah. I think that Liverpool fans will all look back on and think, you know, we're in the we're in the shitter now, I'm afraid. And you know, this this is gonna be a massive test. That actually angered me. Sorry, Pat, but watch that. I just couldn't believe that someone, a professional, would go out and do that to another professional. Like Pickford had no business being on the pitch after that. And he should have got a long ban. 
whether he meant it or not, it was just the most reckless, stupid thing I've seen on the pitch in a long time. Um, yeah, I should have said that. I fully agree with you, Kev. Yeah, they, they fudged that completely, didn't they? Yeah, because it was like, like, yeah, like how can serious foul play not actually exist just because of a VAR kind of decision or something was offside? Like, you know, it was all, it was like, how come, yeah, uh, it was that. We to go crazy. I'd better skip VAR and all that shit and offsides that are playing on for two minutes for no reason and stuff. But um, we'll end it uh, with the perennial Stevie G Player of the Year Award for Player of the Year. Uh, and that one goes to you, Kev, Liverpool's best player. Ah, Mo Salah, easy. I mean, he nearly got the golden boot. Um, he, he kept the club afloat for about three months there in terms of goals and leadership. And, you know, there was a period where I thought he was looking to get out of the club. But I think mm-hmm. certainly he has turned it around. And the moment of the season for me is the goal he got against United and his celebration afterwards. Much like the celebration the year before when he stuck it at Anfield, I think scoring at Old Trafford and actually just the relief um, to get the results. He was brilliant. Fabinho, I think, was excellent as well. Those two would, would be up there. And I think Thiago, just because of the last 10 games where he actually showed that he was able to adapt to the Premier League and was well able for it as well, I think was very good when he played. But Salah has to be Salah for me. He's in, he's in every team of the season. You know, how you could let some not include someone that scored 20-something goals uh, in a season is just, is just mind, mind-boggling. Yeah, a player who you said in the past, Robert, you wouldn't mind as well if, um, yeah. if you're ever able to get your hands on. And what about for, for you then, United? Player so, yeah, it's, like, you'd like to say Shaw, and probably Shaw has been most consistent, actually. He has been great in the last couple of weeks, but you had a great period, but it's definitely just Bruno Fernandes. Like, he, he's just brilliant. I can't remember the last time a player came in and made that impact. Probably not since Van Persie did it for one season. Cantona did it, obviously, in the 90s. Um, but he's just brilliant. Like 28 goals in total this season, 17 assists. He's 18 Premier League goals, and I'm nine of those are penalties. And 12 assists. He's just the dominant player, the dominant personality. He is the most important person involved in the football side of things at United. He's the captain. I, I think he, it's his team. Like mm-hmm. I love when him and Cavani play together because they're just on the same wavelength. And United's goals should just be to get good players around this guy. Like he's only 26. They're lucky in the sense that Barca and Real are absolutely smashed or they'll have no cash anyway because mm-hmm. otherwise they'd be coming in for them. And obviously, like any kind of Iberian player, you probably would be keen to play for one of those clubs. But he's at United now. And yeah, he's just absolutely top class. I love everything about him. I love his attitude. I love how he gives out to draw players. He doesn't get set. You don't reach the standards he sets. So yeah, he's probably been my favourite United player for the last couple of years. Um, he's great. I love him. Brilliant stuff. All right, well, listen, yeah, that's great stuff, lads. We'll, uh, we'll wrap it up there and then probably come back for kind of just put a, a bow on the whole season and uh, after Europa League and um, Jesus, well, we'll see what kind of mood we're in. I'm not even going to think about that for now. I'm not going to think about that. Um, it's um, yeah, it's been good. Kev, congratulations on Champions League football. You can you can plan. Um, you can you can I'll allow an extra signing over the summer. You can have four now. Um, you can have four over the summer and see if you can offload Divock Origi as well. Like. Um, but Jesus, yeah. Actually, if we're all here next year and Divock Origi is still there, like he's the real winner, isn't he? Like, uh, he's the real winner. Cheers uh, for that, lads. And yeah, sure, we'll catch up with you in a few days. And cheers, everybody else, for listening. Salah. And he finished things off here.